Today's episode is an interview with Will Liang. He's the founder of Featherstone Outdoor Gear, which is a company that is focused on making backpacking gear for the seasonal backpacker. I personally love what they make, and today we talk about what inspired the company, as well as what it's like to take a piece of gear, like a tent, from conception all the way to the customer and taking that to market. It's a really great conversation, and I think you'll find it interesting. Welcome to Roaming Radio. I'm your host, Sheridan Futrell, bringing you episodes every other week all about the outdoors. We'll learn about new skills, get honest gear reviews, hear stories about belonging in the outdoors from other people just like you, and so much more, all in pursuit of a more adventurous life. So put on your adventure shoes and let's dive on into today's episode. So, Will, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick introduction on yourself and on Featherstone Outdoor. So, my name is Will. Um, I am the founder of Featherstone Outdoor. Um, We make dependable and performance-based backpacking gear. That's awesome. How long have you been in business? Yeah, uh, so we started in 2017 with just one product. Um, And now, to date, we have about five within our catalog. So... We're small, but, um, you know, we're, we're growing. Yeah, that's great that you're growing. Um, I have one of your tents. I think it's a newer one, the Obsidian UL1, and I absolutely love it. What inspired either the products or Featherstone in general? Featherstone kind of sort of sprouted after my, um, my first backpacking trip. So I was... I was just like any other person, you know, um, as your first time backpacker searching, scouring through like information and what type of gear like to get. And so like, like everybody, you know, I would, I would shop at, you know, your REI and, um, while, you know, uh, corralling all of my gear, I noticed how expensive gear was. And one of my buddies, he, he, after, after we checked out, he told, he asked me, he's like, Bro, um, you know, we just spent $2,000 just to sleep on the ground and, uh, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. That, and it, it really resonated with me because gear was this expensive. Um, it's, it just creates another, uh, barrier for people who wants, wanted to, you know, attempt backpacking for the first time or even to get outdoors. And so that sort of like, uh, was a, li- a light bulb, so to speak. And I felt like there was a gap in the market. And so I wanted to develop a product that would cater to people like me um, that are seasonal backpackers or someone who's looking to get into backpacking for the first time. And that's sort of just how, I, how you know, Featherstone started in a nutshell. Yeah. When you were starting, were you aware of any of the other affordable brands or was it just like you wanted to go backpacking, you knew REI sold backpacking stuff. And so that's where you ended up. I I wasn't aware that there was any budget options. Um, I just assumed that everyone went to REI to buy like outdoor equipment. And so that's, that's sort of where I went. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally relatable. When I moved to Denver, I went to REI like the next day to buy everything I thought I would need to start hiking. And I didn't know everything could cost so much. Yeah. So what was the first product that you guys made at Featherstone? 
Yeah. So um, we, our first product was the UL Granite. Um, it was a two person backpacking tent. Um, we, we thought about, you know, the, throughout the design and creation process that um, people uh, normally um, would either go backpacking with a partner or do like a solo backpacking um, trip. And so having that flexibility on making it a two prison tent as our first product really catered to that person who wanted to do backpacking for the first time and wanted to have like a comfortable shelter that wasn't, you know, so, I guess, so small and uh, cozy, so to speak. Didn't really want to like be in like a mummy type bivy or whatnot. So yeah, that's, that's, that's why we decided to, um, to stick with a two person model. Yeah. Two people models are probably the way to go when you're starting since they can easily be a comfortable one person shelter and a two person. What inspired that first tent? The first tent that I bought, um, it was a big Agnes, uh, copper spur. And so that's sort of where the um, inspiration came from with like the color and the the whole design process. Um, so that really sprouted from um, them and what brought to be the, you know, the, the, the color scheme for the granite. Yeah. That's a really popular one. Uh, since this backpacking trip was kind of the inspiration to start Featherstone. Were you always an outdoorsy person or were you new to it when you went on that trip? Um, I, I was always sort of rather intrigued by like the outdoors. Um, back in like high school, um, we did, I did do a couple like annual trips with, uh, my friends and, you know, just some short hikes. Um, so I would, I, at that time, I wouldn't really consider myself like as an outdoors person. Um, I felt like to be an outdoors person, you kind of had to have that background. Either you're in the scouts or, you know, your parents were also like outdoors persons who like had an RV and, you know, you'd, you'd go like camping to Yosemite like five times a year. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I always felt like to be like, labeled as an outdoors person you kind of had to like hit all those notes um but it wasn't until I went on my first backpacking trip and uh, really developing uh or growing Featherstone that I realized hey you didn't have to you know come from the scouts to be in the outdoors or to experience the outdoors yeah I've noticed that the more I talk to people who are like new to the outdoors or started going outdoors when they were an adult is that like we didn't really grow up with scouts or you were in it just for a short amount of time and that our parents weren't really outdoorsy either and so we find this new hobby of backpacking and we attack it with full force and like make it our whole personality yeah um and and I, I noticed also like as I grew older um the the camping trips with my my high school friends they would just they would get less mm-hmm. and less and I I found myself um, getting less connected um, with the outdoors and so yeah. it wasn't until like um, I went on my first backpacking trip and you know just starting the company it it really got me a lot more connected um, just just mm-hmm. getting involved with the community and um, um, learning about different types of gear um, and all the you know all the tricks of the trade, uh, if you will, um, for backpacking. 
Yeah. Are you somebody who likes to go by yourself or do you go with like a friend or a partner when you go hiking and backpacking? Um, so I go hiking uh, pretty often um, with my fiance. I'm, I'm lucky to like live close to um, like a state park, um, the Chino Hill State Park. And so um, we go hiking there about, you know, once every week or so. That's awesome. Accessibility makes it a lot easier to like get into the outdoors. I grew up in central Illinois where there's just like corn and some more corn and moving to Colorado really like opened my eyes to what's out here. How has Featherstone and just like backpacking and hiking more in general changed your perspective on the outdoors? Um, I guess if, if anything were to change about my perspective um is that you don't really need to have all the bells and whistles um and do and go through like extreme lengths just to you know Mm -hmm. get involved with the outdoors uh, or just to be labeled outdoorsy um i mean there's a million ways to get out there i'll I'll say it again um, hike your own hike because you know the the outdoors is it's truly what you make of it yeah um and anybody can get involved So when I was starting out, I know I thought or had these preconceived notions about how much I thought hiking and backpacking should cost because, you know, like you're sleeping outside, you're just putting one foot in front of another. Did you kind of have a similar experience with feeling lied to, but not necessarily by someone specific, but like feeling disappointed in the actual cost it took to get your initial gear for that backpacking trip? For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I felt like, um, with that amount of money that I spent, um, and the being that it was my first backpacking trip, I kind of felt like robbed in a way. Yeah. Cause like you spent all that money and you don't even know if you like doing it yet. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Real quick. Have you heard about the Backcountry Social Club? It's an online community where you can connect with other adults who are new or new-ish to camping, hiking, and backpacking. Every month, there are two events, a skills workshop to help you get outside safely and confidently, and a fireside chat where we can connect with each other and build our community. There are other great perks too, like printable resources and quarterly gear giveaways for premium members. Basic membership to the community is completely free, and the link is in the show notes. I'd love to see you there. So kind of like keeping in mind that like we can walk into a store, grab a tent and leave. I kind of want to dive into how that tent actually gets to the shelves. About how long does it take to get a tent from the idea in your brain to a consumer's hand? That might be a loaded question, but there's a variety of factors to go to market. To answer your question, um, it could take years to develop a product finding the right pieces, um, the factory to, to produce it in the fabric, to source it, all the, all the parts and the materials, and then yeah. also counting in logistic issues. Um, it, it can take, it can take years. I think logistics is something people are a lot more aware of now than we were three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. These past two years have been, um, a nightmare for, 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 for companies like us. Oh, I'm sure. Um, how does design fit into that timeline? Like I know a lot goes into it, but I don't know like what all goes into it. So when you're designing a tent, what does that look like? When, when it comes to designing, 
a couple of key factors that we always put into play is how can we get, how can we create a, the most comfortable equipment or shelter, uh, while, um, keeping, uh, weight at bay, um, like minimizing the weight as much as possible, but at the same time, finding that middle ground or that sweet spot of also durability performance, um, and all that. So it, it takes a lot to develop a product. It's not, it's not something that's, um, turnkey as a lot of people would think. Um, there's components yeah. to the type of fabric, the webbing, the clips, piece of hardware, and, um, the poles too. There's a million different factors, um, that come to play when it comes to designing, um, outdoor equipment. Oh yeah, totally. I know there's got to be a lot that goes into it with fabric, especially, and like, especially the bottom of the tent. I have your obsidian one, UL one, the one person tent and the bottom is so durable that like, I don't even think I need to have a ground sheet. And I personally don't like using ground sheets because of the weight. I would rather have the tent weigh an extra ounce or two and have, you know, a very thick bottom that won't rip on every rock, especially when I'm with my dog. Cause my dog has like talons for nails. He doesn't let us trim his nails. It's a whole ordeal, <laughs> but I won't even let him in some of my other other backpacking tents because the bottom's just too fragile and I don't want him to rip it. And like, I know I'm not the only one who's thought of their dog ripping their tent or just like, you know, sticks and rocks ripping their tent. So I'm sure fabric is a huge factor. Yeah. And so, um, a lot of, I think a lot of, um, gear companies are sort of faced with this, um, dilemma. Like how do we lighten this, this product as much as possible, but still make it durable enough to withstand, you know, vegetation from, you know, the, the ground and mm-hmm. rock. The the big Agnes tent that I that I first got um, after about uh, my fifth backpacking trip, I noticed there was small holes on the floor. And oh no. Yeah, that and that that kind of disappointed me even even further and that sort of also, you know, sprouted um the idea for creating a durable uh, backpacking tent. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So where do you guys find your balance between price versus weight versus durability? There's this meme that pops up all the time and it's also like a mentality of you can have two out of three of durability, affordability, or lightweight. And so like you could pick two, but you can't pick three. So like where do you guys find the balance in that triad? Um a lot of research. Um, <laughs> and so there's something called like a denier rating, um, which is like the thread count. Um, so deciding whether or not, like, obviously with the higher denier rating, um, the more abrasive and, uh, thick the fabric is. And so just finding mm-hmm. that right combination, um, there's, there's a variety of like different fabrics. It, it goes from, it ranges from like five to like 400 denier. Um, Oh, wow. But uh, really just just testing it out, um, uh, I'm lucky enough to uh, be close to um, two, uh, like, two big, like, national parks, um, Big Bear being one of them, Idlewild, uh, Mount San Jacinto. So um, I, I, we, we take our gear, we, all, we always take our gear to, like, test it out before we ever put it to market. 
Oh yeah, totally. Do you find with your customer base um, that there's a preference for the any of the three? So like, do your customers tend to prefer durability over weight or affordability and durability over weight? Or are they really unicorn hunting and that's kind of what you're striving for is creating the most durable while being the most lightweight while also being affordable for seasonal backpackers? I feel like everybody wants it all. <laughs> um, and you can't, you can't, uh, when it comes to, um, backpacking gear, um, you really can't have it all. There's gotta be some sort of trade-off. Quite honestly, um, I think people would prefer to have a, I guess, a guilty-free piece of gear, something that they would, uh, wouldn't mind, you know, abusing. And, you know, if it does happen to get damaged or whatnot, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, get a replacement for it. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think of like those Dyneema tents and I tried rationalizing a Dyneema tent for so long. Like it came down to their, the, if I need to replace this piece of gear, would that hurt? And it totally would. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, as you know, technology progresses, and there's like other um, fabrics that you know come to play that the the cost for you know having a Denima tent um, would mm-hmm. would would go lower. It probably will eventually. Kind of pivoting. Do you think that there's a larger market for affordable gear than what's currently being served? Oh yeah, for sure. I think that as the industry as a whole tries to inspire um, more individuals to get outside that need for something that's a lot more affordable comes into play. Um, And we're seeing a lot of other brands bringing in like a more affordable option. I I, I don't want to call out any big brand names, but uh, we're seeing, we're seeing it, we're, we're seeing it across the board where a lot of brands are bringing in a more costs or budget-friendly model. Yeah, I've seen that too. I look at tents like every season just to see what's new and kind of see what's out there. And I've noticed a few more budget-friendly tents getting put on the market. But what I really appreciate about you guys is that you didn't wait to be called out to see the need for this. I think the need's been there longer than, you know, the outdoor boom. But brands are kind of late to the game. Like the bigger name brands are late to the game in a lot of aspects and affordability is definitely one of those. Yeah. Yeah. What so far has been your favorite item that you've created? Currently my favorite item is our top quilts. Those look so cozy and warm. Yeah. um, It took a while for us to develop and, you know, um, building relationships with um, Downtech. We're glad to be, you know, using their products, um, with our quilts. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been a good partner, um, for us for, for quite some time now. And, uh, yeah, um, the, a lot of, we've been getting a lot of feed, good feedback from, mm-hmm. from our top quilts as well. Well, that's great. I am a quilt user myself. I prefer quilts over sleeping bags for many reasons, but I'll have to check yours out. Other than the actual products themselves, how have you seen your impact on the greater outdoor community? Um, I would say that we're getting a lot more people involved. Um, someone who, you know, wouldn't have even considered uh, going backpacking for the first time to actually just trying it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's I think that's 
the sort of impact that we're having towards mm-hmm. the outdoor community. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You guys put out a lot of good information on your blog and on your Instagram about how to like do these activities and like how to go backpacking and things. And that's been really fun to watch as somebody who does something similar, but it's been great to see the impact that you've had on some of the other people that I talked to. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we noticed, I mean, when, uh, I noticed there was, uh, with backpacking, um, it's a lot more robust than, you know, just going car camping Mm -hmm. with your friends or going on a short hike. So, um, there's a huge learning curve for, for this recreational activity. (laughs) Yeah. My first backpacking trip, I treated it like a car camping trip and I brought four outfits and that was so excessive. And I think I wore like two of them. Like one was for sleeping and one was for hiking and like, there just weren't resources for beginners when I started looking back when you started backpacking and when you started Featherstone, is there anything you would have done differently either as a backpacker or with your company knowing now that you've done it multiple times and now that like you're a seasoned backpacker versus when you were starting the company as a beginner backpacker? Uh, as a backpacker now, I, I realized how important, um, uh, being minimalistic in your pack, um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, really trying to, um, minimize your pack weight as much as possible. Um, if there was something that I were to do differently, um, it would be bringing in a lot more, um, lighter weight products. And we're right Mm -hmm. as of right now, we're continually trying to, um, cater to that need. Um, so a couple, a couple of products, uh, as we're growing, um, that are, that are coming down the pipeline, um, we're, we're developing, uh, trekking pole tents. And so with trekking pole tents, um, you don't have that, um, extra weight, of having to carry mm-hmm. the, the poles with you. Um, a majority of hikers also, um, use trekking poles on their hike. And so, um, that cuts down a lot of the weight for, you know, backpackers. Yeah. Trekking pole tents are a lot lighter than the freestanding ones. I used one for a little bit. Uh, and then I switched back to a freestanding for various reasons, but trekking pole tents are solid. That's got to be a whole different ball game though, with designing one, because like, it's just so different than a freestanding. Yeah. They're, they're not as easy uh, as freestanding mm-hmm. tents uh, when it comes to setting, setting it up and um, just having uh, with trekking pole tents, you got to have that right pitch. Um, otherwise, uh, if there's, you know, wind, it, you're going to be blown away. <laughs> yeah. Learning how to pitch my trekking pole tent took quite the time. And like, that was definitely one tent where I learned the hard way that you need to learn how to set up your gear in your backyard before you take it out. I mean, the last thing you'd want to do, um, after, you know, a 11 mile hike is try to figure out how to set this thing mm-hmm. up, you know? Yeah, totally agree. Um, coming to the end, I want to end the interview with three rapid fire questions. So the first one is what is your favorite trail snack? Peanut M&Ms. Those are the best. What's one backpacking gear item you can't go without? Chair, camping chair. Ooh, same. Once I've gone with it, I can't go without. <laughs> It's, it's so needed. It makes you, it makes you feel right at home when, when you have something that you can sit on and, um, drink a beer or whatnot. 
Exactly. And then the last one is sunset or sunrise. Sunrise. Yeah. I'm on that team too. Yeah. I found myself to wake up pretty early um, when it, when uh, I'm backpacking. And so um, I, I get a lot of sunrises. Mm. Yeah. There's really nothing like the sunrise in my opinion. Like the sunset's pretty, but the sunrises are just like ugh, chef's kiss. And the air is a lot cooler too in the morning. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. No, thanks for having me. It was great to learn about how you started your company and kind of a little insight onto how gear is made. What a great conversation. Thank you for sharing this time with me and our guest on this week's episode of Roaming Radio. If you enjoyed our guest, don't forget to check out the show notes for all the ways you can connect with them. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Sheridan Roams. And one last thing, reviews and ratings mean the world to us. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring.